Welcome to Complete Edition, the podcast between a PlayStation trophy hunter and an Xbox achievement hunter. This is episode 20. I'm your host, Compulsive Nerd, and I'm joined by AJ. How you doing, AJ? I'm doing well. Yeah, things have been things have been crazy since we last recorded Microsoft or in the process of acquiring Activision and Sony just announced they're buying Bungie. So, you know, we're not a news show, so, I, you know, I don't think we should go into it, you know, and you've probably heard, you know, the, the listeners probably heard thousands of takes and coverage about all of this already, but just, just a crazy two weeks in terms of industry stuff happening. Yeah, we were just kind of waiting to see what Sony does and this was the answer and we talked about it before the show, but we don't, I don't really have much to say about it. I don't like Destiny. So I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. But dude, I had a hectic ass morning. Like uh, first off, like I we I got my rent figured out, situated, and then my power went out and I was like trying to get this episode ready and I was like, fuck, am I going to be able to record? What's going on? And then earlier this week, I put my OLED remote through the washer and that like scared the shit out of me because I was like, oh no, it's not going to work. I'm going to have to buy a new remote or something. And it, it works still. I don't know how the fuck it works still, but it does. <laughs> and so that worked out. But man, it's been, it feels like it's been a hectic two weeks. I also started like getting back in my routine. So back in November, I mentioned this, but like I started to work out and I started to eat more and I started to eat healthier cooking. And I kind of started doing that again. I, I like Monday, Wednesday, Friday are my workout days. So today, actually, after I record the podcast, I got to go do leg day, but like I'm, I'm ready to cook and like I'm making Chipotle bowls so that I can just eat this got ungodly amount of food and I have no limit. You know what I mean? Like just beans, rice and meat. And then I can like sprinkle in other stuff, sour cream or cheese or, you know, greens or whatever the fuck tomatoes. And I can just eat so much. I've already gained like four or five pounds and I'm just like, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I'm just going to keep eating a shit ton and working out. But uh, it's good to be back on that because back in November I started it and then I got sick. I got really sick. I was like, that cough lasted forever, dude. I even recorded a couple shows. Like, pretty sure we recorded like three shows after, which is like six weeks, and I still had the cough. It just, it was absolutely shitty, just so shitty. And so now that I'm healthy and I'm, I'm ready and I'm, I'm back. But yeah, I, I totally want to hear what you're chasing because I'm gonna go last, dude. Most episodes I usually go first. Yeah, so it'd be great to hear what you, what you have to say. Yeah, I'm glad uh, things are going well for you with, uh, with all the, the exercise and the dieting. That's, that's great to hear. It's so hard to find time for like absolutely everything to like have like a full like I guess like wellness thing and then to keep up with obligations in terms of work and leisure and everything. But in terms of what I've been playing, it was pretty quiet. I was kind of in a slump after uh, the last couple of weeks. I was playing um, Nobody Saves the World and I'm enjoying that. I still need to uh, finish it. And then I also, thanks to Ubisoft, I was playing uh, Rainbow Six Extraction uh, before it came out. And it's pretty good, although I'd say it's a bit bare bones and like it's it's technically very polished but it's not too enjoyable to play like i didn't find it very addicting like it it all works i didn't have any glitches but the gameplay loop was sort of only okay not amazing and then so i only played that for a bit i've only played about i don't know an hour of that game then you know multiplayer playing halo infinite there was another event i'm at 115 hours now uh for that game still going, have one achievement left, and the achievement was meant to be live, but it 
is glitched. It doesn't work for some reason, which is really annoying. They need to fix it, I hope. They fix it soon because no one can get the final achievement, which is really awkward. Um, it's also going to be quite hard to get as well, so I'm glad Like, I didn't get the achievement requirements for it, but other people on forums did, and they were like, I did it, and then I did it again, and it took me hours, and it doesn't unlock. So that kind of sucks, big time. But whenever they patch it, I'll go back, get the final achievement, get the completion. I finished It Takes Two as well. I don't know if I talked about that last time, but great game. You know, it's my first completion of the year that's like a real completion, and I'm, I'm happy about that. And then this last week, I played a game called The Pedestrian. It's on Game Pass. It was a game that I think was on PS4 and PS5 as like a timed exclusive for a bit. But when it launched on Xbox, it launched into Game Pass. And it's a short completion. It took me about two hours, but it's a polished game. It's like a puzzle platformer. It's not, you know, shovelware. I'd give it probably a six out of ten. I really like, towards the end, the amount of mechanics they add in, and uh, they totally, like, I, I don't want to spoil it, because I do recommend people check it out if they get time, although it's not something, you know, people should rush out and play. The ending, like, the final few levels totally flipped the script in a way I didn't expect, and I thought that was really, really cool and really creative. And I really like the aesthetic of the game as well. You're sort of on these like road signs, like doing puzzle platforming in, and the background is the city or like um, a subway or like a sewer or like a university. And that's quite cool. And some of the puzzles are pretty mind bending. I recommend not necessarily following a guide, but having a guide with you. So like if you get stuck and you just feel like bashing your head against the wall, you can you can have that there for safety. And then finally sort of a really unexpected spur of the moment thing i started playing condemned condemned criminal origins which is from monolith you know the developers of fear and the developers of shadows of mordor and shadows of war they're developing the new wonder woman game as well and i have quite a bit to say about this game so this game came out in 2005 it was an xbox 360 launch title and it's backwards compatible compatible on uh, series x which is awesome you know, I, I love that I can get it digitally and just, like, play it, not have to, like, find a, a potentially overpriced disc, although I do like physical media as well. I have Condemned 2 physically, and I, I got it a few years ago. But it's one of those game series where, like, I was interested in it, and something came along, and then I never played it, and then it, all of a sudden it's been, like, 17 years or whatever, and it's like, oh, I've not, I, I've never played this series, but I heard good things about both Condemned and Condemned 2. And so I checked it out. But a few things to say about it. I've finished it now. First of all, because this game was a launch title, they hadn't really figured out achievements yet. And so this game has 970 gamer score. It's 30 gamer score short of the full thousand. And it's got 50 achievements. So 50 achievements is pretty like normal to see. Like that that's pretty standardized, but it's got it's divided into 970, which is weird. The other thing is that it it makes me kind of sad for Monolith because I really like this game. I think this game's really interesting and unique. And I really love the Fear series as well. And I think it was quite cool to have another like AAA horror, sort of horror thriller developer and sort of these first person combat games. I think that's really interesting. Condemned is melee focused and Fear is uh, more, you know, shooter focused. And it makes me kind of sad that I think we've seen this in the industry more broadly in recent years where monolith now they make lord of the rings games and now they're making a, a wonder woman game and it I, I feel pretty tired of licensed ip and developers just sort of stuck making licensed games all the time because i really like seeing new ip you know condemned being something where you you play it and it's sort of scary 
and you don't know what to expect when you play it because you put it on and you're like, this is a new IP, this is a new universe, they can do anything here. Whereas when you play like Shadows of Mordor or this Wonder Woman game that's coming up, you kind of know what to expect and some of the surprise and the thrill is taken out of it, I think. And I think it's quite sad that you have like a developer like that that's just tied to licensed IP and then make three licensed IP games in a row and seems to be no end in sight with that. And there's a few developers that are doing that kind of thing. And I worry that, you know, it's especially true for Marvel and Star Wars, right? That there's just so much Marvel and Star Wars stuff coming out that you just feel oversaturated. So then for game development studios to be doing that as well, like contributing to that oversaturation, I think it kind of sucks. But at the same time, you know, that the counterpoint to that is that a lot of these licensed games are good games. So, you know, it's not like, you know, it, it, I'd rather have like a good game than a, than a bad game at any time. So, you know, the fact that they're good doesn't mean it's like the end of the world. It's kind of like a first world problem in that sense, like a super first world gamer problem in terms of just like, oh no, you know, Insomniac or Monolith made this, you know, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 game, but it's a licensed IP, you know. So I don't want to uh, sound like I'm complaining too much, but I, I still, it still made me reflect on what this studio was and what they did and what they do now and how I feel like they were much more interesting and exciting. Like, I feel like if they kept with doing like original stuff, I feel like when I see them at an event or whatever and their logo comes up, I'll be like, oh shit, what am I going to get? Like, what, what are they going to do now? Like, this is crazy. But now that they're just part of like WB and, you know, you know, making all these licensed IP games, it's like, it's less interesting. You know, I see their logo come up and I don't, I don't feel the excitement as much as I used to. And so I think that's quite, that's quite sad. And this game's interesting because it's like made by Monolith who I think were owned by WB, um, but the game was published by Sega. So it was kind of like these three companies dealing with this game. And I had a great time with it as well. It's a short game, which I appreciate. It took me about five to seven hours to get the full thousand points, or the full 970 points rather. And I think it's it's got this... The story kind of sucks. I think the story's interesting from like a world perspective, but not from like a narrative, like what's happening perspective. And it gets kind of goofy towards the end as well. But in terms of the levels, they're all really interesting. I love the combat system and the AI in this game is fantastic. There's guns in this game, but it's mostly melee combat. And when you get a gun, it feels like super powerful because you, you like shoot a guy twice and he's dead. And if you shoot them once, they're totally like, they react to being shot, you know, realistically as well. And you find guns so rarely that it feels really cool when you get one. And then enemies can have guns as well. And so you're like, oh shit, like if I've got like a a lead pipe and you've got like a pistol, like I've got to be really careful about how I approach you. And the game does something that a lot, it's crazy to me this game came out in 2005 because this game as well, when enemies attack you with a gun, if you kill them before they shoot the gun a few times, you when you kill them and pick up their weapon, that ammo is conserved. So sometimes, if you're really bad at killing a guy with a gun, you'll kill him and then pick up his gun and then find it has zero bullets in it. And so you're like, oh fuck, like I, I, I screwed it up, I could have had so much ammo for this gun and like killed the next few enemies for free, basically. Or if you're like really good, you like kill a guy before he's even fired a shot and then you've got like, you've got like four shotgun shells or like, or like 15 pistol bullets and you're like, oh, this is amazing. So it really rewards skill and the fact that it keeps track of that is so cool. I, I love it. And the levels are really great as well. There's, there's 
a good variety. Like you go into like the underground subway, you go into this department store level, which is amazing. Enemies disguise themselves as like mannequins, and you sort of you're not quite sure if if an enemy is a mannequin or a mannequin, and that really adds to it. And in that department store as well, you start like hallucinating as well. It's just a really great level. And there's so many great levels. It's just a, a fantastic game, and I'm really glad I finally got to it. The only thing that sort of annoys me is that Condemned 2, which I want to play, I've heard it's worse, and also it's not backwards compatible for some reason. So I still own an Xbox 360, so I've got it set up now to play it because I want to try it. Um, and the other annoying thing about Condemned 2 is it has a tacked-on multiplayer mode that has a bunch of achievements tied to it, so I'm never going to get the completion, but I still want to play it. So That's super cool, dude. Like... <laughs> That is crazy that it was made in 2005 and it has that that kind of detail, those kind of details. Like, games yeah, they still don't even do that. Like, they should. It'd be awesome. Well, yeah, when you, um, when you play, like, Call of Duty, you know, if you don't kill an enemy, they just infinitely shoot at you. Like, they'll just keep shooting at you forever, oh, yeah. and it won't keep track of their ammo. And then what happens when you kill them? You pick up their gun, and their gun sort of has, like, a random amount of ammo in it. Like, it's totally just randomly generated. And Call of Duty, you know, modern modern game probably has like a $200 million budget or whatever. And then, yeah, you go back to a game like Condemned and it's like that guy fired both of his shotgun shells and now he's like running up to try and bash me with the gun. And when I kill him, it's not going to have any ammo in it. And it's just awesome. It's really a great detail that that game has. And the AI is so good as well. What they'll do is like if you damage them, they'll run away from you and they'll like run around a corner and then hug the wall and so like they're like faking you out like kind of baiting that that they're still running away so if you chase after them they'll like spring out from the corner like mid melee swing to like hit you so it's like there's a level of tension and the ai is really smart in that way they're less smart in the sense that sometimes they'll like try and stand behind a pillar and you can see like their arm hanging out from the side and it's like like i know you're there bro like like i'm not gonna run into you um but so, so sometimes it's a bit janky, but sometimes it works. And it's just really impressive that they thought of that, like to script the AI in that way. And then there's some other stuff with the AI, with the combat system, where if you move forward while you swing or move left or right or backwards, your melee weapon has like a different animation. Like it's based on the movement and the input of the swing. And your enemies also have really diverse movesets. And the way the block mechanic works is the block is kind of like a parry in that when you press the block button, your character like lifts whatever weapon they've got up to block, but they only do it for like a couple of seconds and then it comes back down. And then there's a little, there's like a short cooldown before you can do it again. So it's not really like a block that you can hold. You sort of have to time it right. And what enemies will do is they'll faint attacks, which is super annoying, but also super cool where they'll like lift up their like their pipe or whatever to like be about to hit you but they'll actually just be baiting you to wait for you to block and then after you block then they'll hit you so it's like the enemies and the combat in this game is so cool and the ai is so impressive for that year and and monolith are, are famous for having great ai because fear also has amazing ai and so this game you know we've talked about halo before and how i'm a you know a big halo fan and, and something those games do amazingly from the first person you know shooter perspective is having this really great AI with how the grunts and the elites and how the jackals have all different behavior and the behaviors sort of co quite complex and interesting. And, you know, the enemies will rush you and they'll fall back and they'll freak out and they'll panic and they'll respond to stuff in their environment. And this game has this as well. And so it's really like being like first person horror 
really cool combat system, really great AI, really great audio design as well. The audio is amazing in this game in terms of like, it feels like, you know, like, like modern audio, like modern top tier audio in that you can, you can hear like enemies, like breathing or like like around you like you can really pinpoint where people are based on that and yeah it's it's a great game it's a short completion which is awesome you know you don't have to spend hundreds of hours in it and the game's difficulty seems tuned quite well i will say you do get a taser and the taser is very overpowered because the taser has a cooldown and infinite ammo and you can just like when you tase a guy like he's he's out of commission basically like he's not dead but he's stunned for so long that you get like a few free hits in and you eventually even get a super taser which is even more overpowered so that's kind of unbalanced you could you can definitely cheese the game in terms of you could taser one enemy go up kill him wait for your taser to recharge go get the next enemy and so like you could you could play it really boring and laborious to do that and i recommend you don't because it's it's good to get used to the combat system and the combat system is really satisfying. Uh, so that's kind of a shame because it makes you sort of, first of all, it makes you less scared because you sort of like, I can just cheese everything in the game. And then secondly, it cheapens it. You sort of ruin it for yourself if you go that route. So, but yeah, I was really surprised by how much I like the game. Uh, the story is pretty weak. That's that's the main negative, I'd say. But some of the voice acting is cool as well. So I've, I've talked about like all the mechanics, but I've not, I've not, briefly spoken about um sort of the premise for the game basically you're an fbi investigator and a lot of it's mysterious so i I won't say much but you're an invest you're an investigator for the fbi in this like fictitious city i think it's called like metro city or something and you you're this is like the worst city in the world like and you go to the worst neighborhoods in the world because there's a bunch of homeless guys that have all gone crazy and a bunch of criminals that have all gone crazy and they just want to beat you up with pieces of rebar and uh, lead pipes and all that all that stuff. Sledgehammers, shovels, fire axes, crowbars. Uh, there's a lot of melee weapons, and they all function differently, which is quite cool. But yeah, you're essentially in these like dark city streets. You know, these metro stations, these department stores, these sort of catacomb type areas, this orchard, like all these different environments, trying to avoid getting like your head smashed in and occasionally shot, uh, while you try and solve sort of this murder mystery. And the other mechanic in the game, which it's not really done justice in this game, I've heard it's a lot better in the sequel, but you have this like detective stuff where you get to crime scenes in the game and then you have a bunch of different uh, tools to analyze them, to like analyze fingerprints, to like you have like gas chromatography and stuff like that to investigate these crime scenes. You have like these lasers and stuff like that to try and solve and figure out what's going on. You have a camera as well to take photographs of the evidence. And that's quite tense as well, because when you have the detective tools out, you can't have any weapons out. So you've sort of got to like, you're like nervous while you use these detective tools to like analyze the crime scene. Cause you're like, what if I get attacked or what if I run into enemies while I'm trying to analyze it? But in terms of the actual detective stuff, it's really basic. Like it's literally just, you just aim at the thing that's quite obvious and then click on it. And you basically repeat that a few times. I've heard the second game where it gets really interesting is you have multiple choice decisions and then you get a ranking based on if you make the right decisions. So like if you analyze the crime scene successfully, you get like a different ranking of like perfect, good, you know, bad or whatever. And then at the end of the chapter, you get like upgrades and different items based on how well you performed as a detective. So I think that's really cool. That's a really cool way to expand on it. 
in a sequel. But as it is in the first game, it's mostly just like a change of pace, you know, sort of letting you do sort of analytical stuff that's slower paced and helps to build up tension. But yeah, really impressed with this game. I'm glad I gave it a try. I mean, it's such a crazy... I I like this with games where... uh, And I understand a lot of people will find that annoying where I have like this huge backlog and I've talked about the backlog here before and Condemned has never been on the backlog. I've never said it's on the backlog. I'm like, Psychonauts 2, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, I got Disco Elysium. I got to play these games. And then I'm like, nope, you know, I'm going to play this totally random series instead. But I don't know. I just... um, I just see stuff and I'm just like, I'm in the mood for this. I want to give this a try. I totally forgot about it, but I have it, you know, let's go. And, and I just, I just let myself be directed by, by those spur of the moment things sometimes. And it's worked out really well here because I think this game's fantastic. That's so funny that you say that. Cause like, I, I actually stick to my backlog pretty heavily. I definitely plan like what I'm going to play next. And I, I like look and I see what I'm feeling, but it's kind of awesome that you're able to just be like, oh, I want to, I'm curious about this. I'll just jump into it. It's like spur of the moment kind of thing. And that's, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you'll never, it, it's sad, but you know, you'll never play everything that you, you want to play. I don't think, at least for me, I, I don't think I'll ever play every, every single game that I want to play because games keep coming out and more games come out every year and I've already got a backlog and it it's like, there's no way I'll be able to play everything. So to some extent, you have to make sacrifices, and I feel like there's something, I don't know, um, having like a really rigid backlog, first of all, you can't like force yourself to have fun, is sort of how I see it, and then secondly, it's like, if I planned out all of my backlog, I'd be like, I'd be set until like 2050, you know, and I feel like that's kind of depressing that I'd have like this like, this like list of stuff that I'm gonna, I'm gonna play for like two years in a row or whatever, you know, with all the new game releases sprinkled in. So, but, you know, obviously as well, you know, I, I think I think a balance is is best, at least for me, in terms of having having stuff scheduled. Like, I'm going to be all over Elden Ring when it comes out, probably. And there's other games like that too, like Starfield, I'm, I'm excited to give a try. So, you know, th- there's games where I'm like, I see that game far off and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it time when it comes out. But also to just have that flexibility to just, just, let the mood strike you and, and, and let you go in whatever direction. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, you know, February's stacked. I definitely have, there's three games in February I for sure want to play. And that's Sifu, Dying Light 2, is still kind of a maybe. And then Horizon. But I don't know, having a backlog and like having games whenever I'm done with that is super awesome. And you're right, you're not going to play everything that is on your backlog. And I'm okay with that. I just like to have an idea of what I want to play next. And sometimes I'll look to my library and be like, these are games I already have and I can play them and I don't have to spend any money. So that'll save me some money and I can enjoy these games. But then there's also like, you know, I told you game of the year is like one of my favorite times of the year, like specifically the game awards. And I see all these nominees from the previous year and I'm like, oh, that actually looks like a game that I would like and it's nominated for an award. It has to be decent. And I will, you know, put that on the backlog. And then when I have time, I'm like, hey, this is a newer game that I think I'll enjoy. So I'll play it. And like, that's, that's kind of how my backlog keeps rolling. And then I throw in like older stuff that people are like, this is a must play. This is a part of video game history. Like you should play these games. And I want to have those games like in my library that I've, I have played and that are something that I got to see and partake in. Like, you know, cause I, I started with Nintendo the original Nintendo when I was younger because my brother was into gaming and my dad was 
you know, my dad was into gaming, but my dad only had an Atari. And, you know, it just kind of goes up from there. And I just am so fascinated with video game history. And I missed out on a couple generations. But this this backlog idea has like kind of stuck with me since the beginning of gaming, you know, or what what is the mainstream gaming today. And and I'm always, always on top of my backlog. I just love it. I love it. It's I never feel like there was one time, like I said, it's a, a night in the woods. I said this last podcast it's the only game i've been recommended that i didn't like and i didn't do a completion i played it on switch so that i didn't have to hunt it but i mean i i i played it to credits i i get it i get why people like it i just don't it just it reminded me of a horrible time in my life and i was like i'm just not gonna i just don't like this and i had a that's an experience that i have with a game that's pretty cool like do i regret playing it no not at all but most of the time i i enjoy the games that are recommended i played celeste a year after one like some game of the year awards or was nominated for game of the year. And that was really fun. That was a really fun game played Hades. But my point is, I just love when game like games get my attention through nominations of awards and same thing with dice too when it rolls around. But jumping into what I was playing, dude, I started Stardew Valley on Vita and I am discovering something very new and very interesting about myself is that I love this. This might be one of my favorite games ever. Like I'm I'm hooked on this game. I don't know if it's because it's addictive I don't know if it's just because of where I'm at. I don't I don't know. I want to play this more than I want to play my console and I'm home like and that's so uncommon for me. It's like I have an OLED. I have 4K games. I have like super awesome, you know, next gen stuff here. And then whenever I'm on the go, I want to play like Stardew Valley and like, you know, do my do my stuff. But it's like I just want to lay down and play Stardew all night. I did. I played the like I had to work. Was it set? It was Saturday night, maybe that I had to work Sunday morning. And I stayed up until like 126 and I was, I looked at the time. I was like, oh shit, I stayed up too late. Like I got to be into work. I got to be up at seven. You know, I'm like, oh shit, I got to, I got to go to sleep. But I'm like having so much fun doing my farm. It's like, I don't want to go to sleep. I just want to, I just want to like go and do everything this game has to offer. And maybe it's a genre that I've just been ignorant to, but yeah, Stardew Valley is absolutely up my alley. There's, you know, mining and monsters and combat and then I can go back and take care of my farm and then I can get to know the townspeople, which is super awesome because it's character driven. It's like, this is just right up my alley. I'm like, this is so good. I'm fishing a lot because it's it's just got so many games and things to do on the side that I can't stop. I'm like, there's so much to do in every day and every season. I just want to keep going. I am going to hunt this game. This is definitely like I've, I've seen it's like a hundred hour platinum and I think it's going to be more than that for me, but it's something that I just... I'm in love with this game, dude. It's so good. I get why I get why people love it so much because, you know, I know one guy made it and I just want to meet him. I just want to meet him and be like, dude, congratulations. This is the coolest shit <laughs> that you've done. But yeah. And then I finished Tales of Arise and I love this game. It I didn't have to grind too hard after it was over. I just kind of had to go back and clean up. And then there's like this one boss at the very, at, during one of the side quests, which you have to complete all the side quests to get the, the platinum and I just farmed him over and over because he was level like 95 and it wasn't I just knocked it down to easy and just kind of did it over and over and over again and whenever I I did that it wasn't even like an hour and I was max level I mean it was not bad grinding and I got that completion and I'm super happy about it so that was my I think that was my second completion on the year so I had God of War 2 and then Tales of Arise and then I started so this is a game between releases right so I'm kind of on the clock here with Persona 5 Strikers was a PS Plus game, and it's a game that I wanted to play. You know, you've heard me talk about these weeb games. You've heard me talk about Persona. You heard me talk about 
my hunt on on uh, Vita for Persona 4 Golden and you heard my horrible, horrible journey of Persona 5, which I loved. And this game is a sequel, but it's a different style of game. So it's not like as stressful and things like that. I started this game and I'm maybe three hours in, but it's so funny, dude. You know, we talk about, you know, sacred symbols and Colin, Colin a lot, but Colin is like super OCD about his game clock. And dude, if he knew what I do, he would be so pissed off because I have my, my game clock says like 25 to 30 hours or something like that. I, I mean, I leave the game running and I'll play Stardew or I'll like, I'll go make lunch or whatever the hell. And I'm only three hours in. So it's just like the game is constantly sitting idle for me, but I don't care. I don't care because I'm just in this mood with this game, which I'm actually going to transition this right into topic of the show, which is trophy and achievement anxiety. And there's like, there's like two missable trophies, I think, or something like that. And I'm just afraid that I'm going to miss them. And like the, the first dungeon like threw me in. I'm already doing combat. I'm already like getting to know these characters. But the thing about this game is like, I don't care about the combat. This is a Muso game, which I've never played before, but it's kind of just slashy, lots of enemies, just kind of mindless. And I don't care about that, but I do care about getting back to the story because every time the characters come up, I'm like, I know these these characters. I spent a hundred hours with them and I just want to like get back to that and I just want to go through and I started off on normal and then the game kicked my ass. And so I dropped it down to easy. I'm like, damn, this sucks. I wanted to play it on normal. But the difficulty, this is another, you know, maybe the the weeb games are just better at this, but the weeb games are kind of good at controlling like the harder the difficulty, the better the rewards. And then you can change them at any time. So that's really nice. And I'm going to like, if I want to grind faster, I'm just going to like increase the difficulty, you know, get that experience. But there's two things about this game. Okay. So there's some missable trophies that I'm worried about missing. And then there's also grindy trophies. And hopefully I don't, I don't know about this, but God damn, this is going to be extremely mindless. And it's like, like I said, I'm having, I've got trophy anxiety. So I don't want to play this game. I want to play Stardew because it's so relaxing and I don't have to worry about anything. But these, there's like 15 hours of extra grinding just to like get max level. And I'm like, damn, what, how do I feel about padding the trophy list just to, to pad it? Cause that, that's ridiculous. That's an extreme amount of time just to get the platinum and like that that happened on tony hawk also where i had to grind just the same level over and over and over just to get the max level and it was so hard to do luckily i had like an audiobook but there's like a balance of this anxiety because i love i actually want to see the story and i'm i'm enjoying this game i'm not it's it's such a weird problem to have because i'm not out here just being like oh I, i'm too afraid to play this game i'm stressed out i can't play it it's like i'm i'm, I'm ready to enjoy this game i am having a good time i like I said, I don't like the combat that much. It's very hack and slash and I'm still learning, but I have like characters that are my favorite to use and I'm like, oh, this is way more fun. But then I want to get back to story. So I want to see these story parts, but I just have to like push past. And once I'm past the anxiety and like maybe I get the missable trophies, it's like the rest of it is a cakewalk. It's usually how it goes. But I'm just like curious if if you're if you've ever experienced anything like this or, you know, what, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. In terms of like trophy or achievement anxiety. I, I was thinking of a, sh- a few things while you were talking. Like, I definitely get that where I like look at the look at the list beforehand and it, it plays some role in my decision making. And then there's also almost like achievement and trophy regret in a way, like where you you play a game and you're like so deep into the game and then you're like, 
that shit like i'm enjoying this game but i'm not like loving this game and i know i've got so much more to do and i've got to do like like so much to just get the completion whereas i'd be perfectly content with just beating the game and just playing the game and experiencing the game like you said with you know persona 5 uh, and you know how how relaxing stardew is so yeah i i totally get that as well and you know we, we talked before about hades and how the final grind kind of made me leave that game not as not as hot as i as i would have liked to be in on it so i i definitely feel that and over time you know it, it's important to be selective and then you know but part of it is you know it's all in your head as well right like if you can let yourself let go, if you can just go like fuck it, like I'm not I'm not gonna care and I'm not gonna do it, and then I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be free, then you know, that's sort of maybe the the best way out of it, the ideal way out of it. But but as, you know, achievement hunters and trophy hunters, that's that's quite difficult to do sometimes. It weirdly, it's almost easier, I find, with games where you like like maybe like Rainbow Six Extraction. I have like five game score in that game. And I kind of feel like I'm not really feeling it. Like I'll maybe give it another try and do some other stuff in it. But also I'm sort of like, it's almost easier when you've not invested anything into it where you're like, ah, yeah, it's on my game of card, but I'm just going to let it go now. So I I don't know what you make of of any of that stuff. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I I can let go of games. I have done it. You know, I told you about um, House of Ashes. And the thing is like lately, dude, when I have downtime, like maybe I'm in the shower and I'm just thinking about things. I'm just like, I can go back and get that. I can do it. I know I could do it. It's not It's not that hard. It's like two more playthroughs. It's like 12 hours. I could do it. And I'd have a platinum. But just for three trophies, that seems like a lot of time. Seems like a lot of time just for three trophies. But I think about it. And like, it's okay to let games go. Your your completion percentage is not going to be fucked. And if I, if I didn't care and I went like right through Persona 5 Strikers, which is actually what I've done, and say I miss it. It's like, oh, I have another playthrough to do. Hopefully that won't be super long. But it's like... I could do that and I could not care or I could just get 98% or whatever the hell, like 92% say it's a gold trophy with the missable one. I actually don't know what level they are, but say I miss it. It's like, then my completion percentage is fine. I actually don't care about platinums as much as I care about completion percentage. I just, I like that number that shows that like, I don't quit games. I, I do play them to finish. So it, it makes me feel like I've seen everything the game has to offer. And that's what I want. Like most of the time, that's where my original, like, trophy hunting love like came from it's like i saw all the treasures in uncharted and i saw like secret stuff and i was like this is so cool like i wouldn't have seen this if i didn't trophy hunt and so you know that's that that's what drives me to complete games and i just get into these places sometimes where i'm like i just i'm stressed out i'm like i don't want to miss it but i'm pushing through and i'm like if i miss it i miss it i can i can get it again i can you know i can go back i i won't let it stop me and like i said i'm also on a timer here i feel like I started this game and I don't like to play multiple games at the same time. Like, yes, I'm playing Stardew, but that's like handheld. And then I have my PS5 game, which I'm playing is Persona 5 Strikers. And February is approaching as in tomorrow. It's, you know, January 31st. And I just am feeling like, oh, crap, the games are about to start releasing. So I want to get this game platinumed. And then, you know, maybe I can use some downtime to just play Stardew Valley. And then I'll jump on these new games, depending on if I get them first or not. Yeah, and uh, your trophy of the week is in uh, is in Persona Five Strikers, right? It's not. It's in Stardew. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, it's in Stardew. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I think that there's a lot of good trophies on that list. No joke. Like I look through it and I'm like, this is not a bad list. It's just those two missables that I start playing and I'm like, I have. 
there's like these requests that the game has. So they're like side missions and there's like 89 in the game and you need to complete 50. So there's that that's missable. But then it's not it's not that intense. But the intense one is like there's the main characters and they all have side quests or requests and those are missable. There's 12 of them. And it's like those are the ones that you have to get. And I I haven't had any requests in the game so far and I'm three hours in and I'm in the first dungeon and like the guide says like the first dungeon is where the requests are and I'm like where <laughs> I haven't got a request and I like I even asked some people I was like do did I miss a request like it's supposed to be in the menu like whenever I pull up the menu it doesn't even have a request spot so I'm like I'm like where is it it's supposed to be in the first dungeon like where the hell is it and, and I'm just I keep getting stressed out but I'm sure I'll find it and then my my stress will just evaporate I'll be like oh I got it I got it there's uh dates because persona is very time management type of game and so you know, I know that on eight slash two, that's whenever the first request is, but I'm only on like 726 and it's the first dungeon. And I'm like, did I accidentally start the first dungeon too early? I don't know. I actually don't know. I don't know how it works. And I don't want to look anything up because I'm spoiler sensitive. So I'm like, I'm not looking anything up. I'm playing this game. (laughs) So I don't know. It's just such a complicated thing for me. And you know, I know that, oh man, if any regular people listen to this podcast and they're like not trophy hunters, they're like, this is the stupidest thing to worry about. This, you should just be enjoying the game. And it's like, I am enjoying the game, but I'm also sitting there like, where's that request? Where's my first request? Someone said that there's like a tutorial that pops up with the first request. So I'm like, it's not miss. That's like not missable. But for some reason, I feel like it is. (laughs) So it's weird. It's just a really weird thing that trophy hunters and, and achievement hunters go through, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. It's so unique. Yeah, do you, do you want to go to uh, Trophy and Achievement of the Week? My trophy, and achie- my trophy of the Week is this trophy called Fector's Challenge, and this is in Stardew. And it's like this little arcade cabinet in the back of the saloon and it's called journey of the prince king and the the trophy is for beating it journey of the prince uh prairie king sorry without dying and i've heard this is the hardest trophy in stardew and it's also the one that takes the most but i've also heard that it's been patched so it's not as hard anymore but i actually don't know what that means and and if it was patched specifically like on vita because i've been you know watching like beginner videos of how like what i should be doing in stardew and i'm seeing the switch version a lot or the pc version and i just am blown away by how different it looks and like how much well yeah you'd you'd assume support for the Vita version would probably drop first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because the platform in its entirety isn't being supported anymore. Right. Yeah, I'd also heard that achievement and trophy is sort of like the only like properly tough one in the game. Yeah. Because a lot of that game is so like relaxing and you can take stuff at your own pace and everything. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I need to get to Stardew. You were talking about it and I I know people who love that, that game and... I've I've seen great things, but it's just about it's just about finding the right opportunity to give it a try. In terms of my achievement of the week, I'm gonna go with it's from Nobody Saves the World. The achievement list for the pedestrian and condemned are both really boring. Uh, I was thinking of them at first because I, I've been playing them more, but like the condemned one because it's like so early 360, it's literally like the most basic achievements you can think of. Although they're quite easy, so that's always nice. There's some early 360 games that are a total nightmare. You get like 10 gamer score for doing some impossible bullshit or whatever. It's like, you know, or um, back in the day when difficulty achievements wouldn't stack. So you'd have to beat the game like eight times or whatever. But yeah, so so couldn't find any gold in either of those games for achievement of the week. But from Nobody Saves the World, I've gone for uh, What Are You Buying? Which is a reference to Resident Evil 4's Merchant. 
who I love. Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 8 both have amazing merchant characters uh, that support you on on your journey and still are also quite creepy and really add to the atmosphere. So uh, any achievement that reminds me of the Resident Evil 4 merchant or uh, the Duke from Resident Evil 8 or anything like that, I'm, I'm happy about. And so the achievement is to just make a purchase from the shop because that game has its own creepy merchant as well, which is really cool for world building and atmosphere. And I need to get back to that game because it has a lot of charm and a lot of personality and I was enjoying it, although it was a bit slow to start off. All right. Well, shorter episode today, but I uh, I had some fun. Do you have any uh, final thoughts? Yeah, uh, this was great. I mean, just just thinking about like how different the gaming landscape feels now compared to two weeks ago it's crazy so hopefully things uh things calm down for at least uh two weeks that would be nice i uh i'm ready for it to calm down i this whole shit i have to think about it you know there's like so much information that you have to absorb to really get your final thoughts but you know my initial thoughts are just whatever <laughs> that's kind of where i'm at i'm like so over this acquisitions right now on both sides you know yeah definitely yeah i guess everybody thanks for listening Peace, happy hunting. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Complete Edition. If you like the content, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash completion club. If you have any questions or would like to reach us, email completionclub at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Complete Edition.